beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody what's going on welcome to chronicles abroad this is nubia and i'm francis and we have a great show for you today we have maya a los angeles native turned expat maya has been living and working in asia as an educator for the last nine years yeah right nine years that's a nine veteran years. in the house <laughs> girl you were doing been this before it was even like before it was a thing Maya enjoys traveling everywhere around the world. She is the sensation behind the blog, Maya the Explorer. Maya, thank you for joining us. Yes. Hello and welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Singapore. 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 You know, everybody has gotten a taste now after crazy rich Asians. <laughs> uh, influx of travelers uh, heading to Singapore, like oh my god! I'm sure, probably for the for the main the character because he's pretty attractive. <laughs> probably not. I don't know if he actually lives here. I think he, he they found him in Malaysia, I believe, and then he's obviously British. So, but the book, at least, like I read the book when I first moved here, my very first, uh, I think, on the plane I was reading it, and now everybody's just discovering <laughs> it, and I'm kind of like, then they're done that. The funny thing about it is, in the uh, states, you don't see many depictions of Singapore. <laughs> Most people yeah. don't even know yeah, what it exactly. is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So to put it on the main screen, it opens people's eyes and they're like, ooh, Singapore. Got to put it on my list. Yeah. Yes. There's all sorts of tours popping up, I believe, that are going to show you where they were eating and, um, you know, the, the hotels and all the, so where my, all the rich elite live. <laughs> nine years ago. That is huge yes. because that was before the, like, expat craze really started. Well, at least on Instagram, on, you know, at least online, because I think people have been <laughs> expats behind the scenes without it being advertised for a while. But you were doing this way before anything. it becomes sensationalized. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by craze. Yeah. So, what made you make the decision to embark mm-hmm. on this journey abroad? I think it was a decision I made a lot earlier before I ever decided to actually leave. I studied abroad. I was a bit of an addict. I studied <laughs> abroad four times. <laughs> um, my last time studying abroad, I said, while I was there, I said, if I could get a job, I'm going to stay here. And that's then that's that. But of course, I didn't find a job. It wasn't that easy. It didn't just happen overnight. But I always had in the back of my mind, if I can find a way to do this, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do it. I studied abroad in Latin America only. And so that's even when I got into moving abroad. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back to Costa Rica or, you know, somewhere in Latin America. And nope, that did not happen at all. The the abroad happened where it did not, so. did not I happen. I think we have a plan. But that's not how life always works. It's about being flexible. I, I was we very talk flexible. About that a lot. <laughs> what was the first when you finally decided to actually make the final move abroad? You, you know, you're studying abroad and everything else. But where was the first place that you actually decided, I'm going to test this place out and see where it goes? 
I had actually just accepted a new job when I found out about this life. I accepted a new job. I was having an informal conversation with my um, my old boss at the time, and she was saying that she was going to Africa. And I said, oh, wow, you know, she didn't seem like she traveled at all. And I said, you're going to Tanzania. Where? What are you going to do there? And she said, I'm going to visit my brother. He works there. And I said, how do I get his job? <laughs> um, that was that. She put me in contact with her brother. And like I said, I had just accepted a new job. I was uprooting from Tennessee, going to South Carolina. And I was in contact with him, though, and I was figuring out slowly but surely, okay, how can I do this? I'm not the type of person, like I'm very responsible. I, I've tried to always have my ducks in an order. And so I couldn't just move abroad. Like for me, I had a ton of student debt and it was not going away. I'm pretty sure that they would have found me wherever <laughs> I moved to. So I just had to figure out a way where I could do it and I could do it in a way that I was going to really be able to thrive. At the time, you know, like I was living in South Carolina, I was working at the University of South Carolina, working all the time, not vacationing nearly as much as I would have liked. And you know, you work all year long to go on a, on a vacation for a week and then you're back at work the next week and you're still stressed out and you're still, you know, it's just not the life that I wanted to live. And so I found out about this opportunity and I got in contact with the organization that the person suggested. And even then though, I was getting, you know, a couple of job offers and I'm going, there's, there's no way that this could be real. Like, are they really going to pay me that much to do what I'm doing and like to be able to travel and they're going to give me a travel stipend? Like that can't, that can't really be a thing. Is that really a thing? And I just had to eventually say, okay, I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to go for it. You and I said didn't. you had a ton of, I won't call it doubt, but you were like, mm, not right now. I really want to do it, but not right now. I just got this new job. You know, mm -hmm. you have that checklist of all the things you have to do first. You mentioned student debt. You mentioned, you know, the job, all of these things. And I think that's what happens when people are at home, even listening. They're like, oh my gosh, I would love to live abroad, but yeah, but you know, is the major is I have this checklist of things that I need to do first. So it's great to hear you say that you finally took a leap of faith and stepped out on faith to say, you know what, this is an opportunity that may or may not come back around again. Walk us through that little process when you were just like, you know what, I'm gonna pull the trigger and I'm just gonna do this. You know, I think a lot of us too have, you have this fear of letting other people down. Like, oh, you know, it's what you want to do. And you know wholeheartedly that it's what you want to do, but you're just thinking about how many people you're going to disappoint. And for me, like, like I said, I, I was only two years then into my job that I had taken and I had taken on a lot of responsibility. And I promised these people, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be around, but like, I'm an educator, right? And you work with kids all day or at that time I was at the university, but I had to say for myself, well, I'm going to do this for me because I want to be the example that they need when they are trying to pursue some sort of a dream. They're not going to put it on the back burner and say, well, I can't, you know, I can't do it because of X, Y, or Z. And so, yeah, it was really a lot of contemplation, a lot of lining stuff up and I actually accepted the offer before I started to let everybody know. Cause I had to, you know, you have to come to terms with it yourself and, and figure everything out for yourself from the beginning until honestly, until today, you get so many people that say, well, what about this? And what about that? And they try to put so much doubt in your head. And I'm like, but you've never lived abroad. Like, how can you yeah. tell me all of those things the that first you don't ones. personally the know? They're the first ones in the choir. Ones. And you know, all the time, I think it's because it's <laughs> coming from a place of fear, unknown, uncertainty, and sometimes a little bit of envy. envy. Yeah, a little bit of envy. They're like, wait, how do you get to do that? Ah, you can do. Like, it's so possible. And I love how the fact that you said, they're going to pay me to do X, Y, Z. And we've been having a lot more conversations about this because there are so many perks for professionals to go abroad and take the knowledge and information that they've learned in the States mm -hmm. and translate that to a different country where the cost of living is lower, even if it's expensive, for example, like countries like Japan, but still you could manage because you don't have all those 
extra stuff that's weighing you down. And I find that interesting, even with you having student loan debt, because we've had folks who said, well, I've got the student loan debt. I do too, but I'm still paying for it. You know what I mean? But you, there are ways if once you give yourself the opportunity, you can create and maneuver anything that you want. I would still have the student loan debt if I hadn't left. And that is the honest to God truth. My mortgage, I didn't even mention that. That was like a major, I had two mortgages at the time. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to manage these properties from abroad? Car note. And it just worked out really well that my, it was a lease. And I, I think subconsciously I was like, I'm going to lease it because I'm not going to be here to pay it off. I drove the car to the lot the day it was due and then had somebody drive me to the airport. It just worked out. That worked out perfectly. But yeah, really like figuring out how you're going to manage everything. And I will say that if I had had not come abroad, I would still have all of that debt. And I'm talking about like mortgages and like I, I had probably $70,000 just wow. in student loan debt alone. And, and now that's I do the not. thing because you're so caught in the yeah. rat race and it's so expensive just to eat, just to live. I mean, cost of living is bananas in the States. I think one of the reasons that catapulted me to move was when I started looking at the figures and I'm like, I'm spending close to 80% of my paycheck for cost of living plus car and insurance and gas and just all of those things that we say we need in the states to live and it was ridiculous that a lot of times somebody else tells you that you need right like i i you know i had just even leaving behind the physical things that i did not need like my tv is not going to work in i first i moved to manila just getting rid of some of that stuff and like why do i have this tv like i'm at work all the time i'm not even here to watch it you know things like that or why do i need this particular car with just a basic car will get me to work and i wouldn't have a note like those are honestly probably things that i didn't really think about till i got here and i'm you know honestly i was just dealing with more money than i had ever had in my life and trying to figure out how to manage it on my own because there is no retirement system for me here. Just teaching abroad, they just give you your retirement, you do with it what you want. And so it's really had to force me to say, okay, when am I going to retire? How am I going to retire? How am I going to manage all of this? It's opened up a world for me. And to say, like you said, cost of living, I have not paid rent Whoa. in nine years. Kim, wait, yeah. wait a minute. I was going to say, <laughs> wait, they hiring? <laughs> It's honestly like it's been really it's been such an educational experience from a financial standpoint. And like I said, yeah, the, the jobs that I've had um, have paid my um, have paid my rent. And even now, my husband and I have figured out a way where we purchased a house or a condo in Singapore. And now that same stipend that was going to pay our rent yes, is going to girl, pay our mortgage. So through girl, I love it. So you've been in Singapore for six years now. Six years. And before that How was Manila for Singapore? three. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks avoid Singapore to live. I don't want to say a lot of folks, but you know, Singapore is not mm-hmm. cheap. So it's crazy expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to put it lightly, but no. yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> so how did you decide on Singapore as being the place and still being able to do all the financial things that you've been able to do and travel and all that good stuff? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yeah, I have a love affair with Latin America. My mom is Puerto Rican. And so it's just kind of part of my culture. My dad is black. I've always wanted to go to Latin America. Like I said, my study abroad experiences were in Cuba, Chile, and twice I went to to Costa Rica. So like I said, I got into it saying, yep, I'm going to move to Costa Rica or Bolivia, wherever I, you know, the job opens up. And I went to this job fair and there were jobs in in Latin America, but they were not talking to me. (laughs) So... uh, 
you know, so I started going after the, you know, or pursuing the pools that were pursuing me. And I got a few offers. And, you know, when I got an offer in Manila, something just told me, like, that's where you're supposed to be. And quite honestly, it's the most Latin American country <laughs> in Asia, for sure. <laughs> but even that, like, people just scared me so much and said, oh, you're going to get kidnapped. Or, they're, you know, they're so violent. It's so, no, like. I just had to go with my gut and say, this is where I think I'm supposed to be. And for three years that it was where I was supposed to be. And it was perfect. Living in Manila as a single woman does not come without its own problems. And there were definitely days where I just, you know, thought I would lose my mind and say, I just, I have to get out of here. I have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. With congestion, so much traffic and so much pollution and so much poverty that, but you know what? It's like, it was an amazing experience and I would not change it for anything. And after those three years, I said, you know, it's time for me to go somewhere else. I'm going to look for another opportunity. And I honestly did not know where I, I thought maybe, okay, maybe this is the time now that I'm going to end up in, um, in Latin America. And right before I started looking for a job, I met my now husband. <laughs> we met in KL and started dating and I didn't really know what it was going to be, but they have happened to have a job open up here at a school and it worked out that I got it. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to, to take it and see where it goes. And quite honestly, like, yes, a lot of people don't like Singapore, but after three years of living in Manila, like they're exact opposites. And so everything that I loved about Manila, I don't get here, but everything that drove me crazy in Manila, I definitely like, you know, the organization, the public transportation, the, um, just the availability of things, the cleanliness of things, like they're exact opposites, but you know, it's worked out. And I didn't, honestly, I wouldn't have said, I've never stayed anywhere yeah. for six years. I was going to say this so, a long time yeah. for Singapore, but it's such a beautiful place. And it's so close to Malaysia and some of the other islands that you can kind of get in and out. The cleanliness and, and the, the way everything just is amazing. Ran. It's run like a well-oiled machine, honestly. And that's <laughs> a huge contrast compared to, you know, some other Asian countries where they kind of just do things on their own time. Ass and, backwards. You know, okay, maybe ass backwards. <laughs> yes, I Stop haven't tried to ride It's I ass backwards. <laughs> we, we sit here and talk about it all the time. Thailand does some crazy stuff. We'd be like... Why? <laughs> yep. Why are we doing this? So you mentioned that you met your husband while traveling. That's one of the things we've always talked about, yeah. too, is dating abroad as an African-American woman or as a woman of color. You guys meet in KL, which is Kuala Lumpur. Was he also a traveler or mm -hmm. is he a local, a Malaysian native? Okay. He is Canadian. <laughs> And he, the thing that we share in common is that we're both teachers and we're both coaches. I coach volleyball. He coaches volleyball. I also, we coach a bunch of stuff. But again, like there's just the, how mind blowing some of these international schools are and, and what the opportunities that they afford children. So, you know, at the end of the season, you go and you play in a tournament and at home, it would have been like down the street here. The tournament is across the, you know, across Asia. So I was coming from Manila to coach. He was coming from Singapore to coach. And we were all meeting in KL to like all of these teams. So, was, uh, you know, International School of Bangkok, Taipei American school, Jakarta Intercultural School. So all of these schools were meeting in Kuala Lumpur for this, you know, week long tournament. Um, and it happens every year, it just rotates and they change countries. So it just happened to be that they needed an extra person to go on this trip. I wasn't even that's supposed nice. to go. And that's, that's where I met him. Because, you know, that's one of the things is like when you meet someone, <laughs> are they on the same path? Because had he not been an international teacher and just somebody who was vacationing, it could have been a whole different situation, right? So that's great that he was able to meet somebody who understood kind of how it is to live abroad and to travel abroad because it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. Like you mentioned with Manila, there's times when you're just like enough mm -hmm. already. So, <laughs> so what concerns, <laughs> if any, did you have before you actually moved to Manila? 
safety was a huge one and that's just honestly listening to people and what they want to tell you even though they've never been to Manila before you know so many people told me that it was dangerous it was dirty that you know just all sorts of stuff and it was like not, not to say that there aren't parts of Manila that yes are absolutely poverty stricken and you see that every day and not to say that it's but but honestly I've never felt unsafe in Manila I've walked all hours of the night in the streets by myself and I've been fine I know things have changed since I've left and just with the new president I think things are a, a bit different but Asia in general I feel very safe most of the places that I've gone and I, I do a lot of solo traveling and I couldn't say that I would do that same solo traveling in Latin America or in Africa I don't know if I would feel the same but here it's been knock on wood it's been fine so safety yeah, the, that was the major one people just said oh it's just so unsafe like you have to really watch out for yourself all the time and I think that that's life in general <laughs> You need to apply the common sense or for some it's not so common. You need to apply sense to anywhere you're going and anything that you're doing. You know, I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't put myself in certain situations in the States. I wouldn't leave a club with someone I don't, you know, like things like that. You you also don't do here or in Manila. So those were the big things is just like having confidence in yourself to know like, look, I'm not stupid. I can look after myself. I can, I can take care of myself. I don't know if everybody feels that way. I came from a big city and I've lived in a lot of other places. And so it's just, yeah, being able to, you know, to keep your wits about you. Like, I'm not going to go out and get wasted in a place that I don't know. Like all of those things, it's common sense. You don't do it. And so like, as soon as I got there and I saw what things were like, and I saw that even though, yes, there's a lot of poverty here, no one is, you know, no one's hounding me. No one's chasing me. No one's checking for like, it was perfectly fine. Then I, I was able to just rest assured. And a lot of the, the fears that I had just kind of went away. To be honest, I probably had more financial fears than anything. Gotcha. I just didn't I know if I was going to be able to make it. It's hard for them to comprehend. Well, how am I supposed to deal with all these financial stuff that I have going on, you know, back home and apply it to a different country mm -hmm. that has a different financial structure. So it really puts a lot of fear in people. But as you can see, it's possible. We're all doing it. It takes a little bit of maneuvering. It takes a little bit of letting go of some things and making adjustments, but it is absolutely 100% possible. So, Maya, let me ask absolutely. you, what do you enjoy mm -hmm. most about your way of life now? freedom. <laughs> I didn't have freedom before. Again, like I said, in a lot of ways, like I didn't have the freedom to just go on vacation if I wanted to go on vacation and be able to one, to be able to pay for it, to two, to have the time off to do it. And it's not to say that I don't have a structured job now. I absolutely have a structured job, but I also have yes. about three months off yeah. out of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that doesn't include, you know, three day weekends or just, you know, if I want to go to Indonesia tomorrow, uh, you can hop on a ferry and be there and I could go today and get there. So just things like that, the freedom to go where I want to go. My passion is seeing the world. I love traveling. Like I absolutely love that about my life now that if I want to go and pick up and do, you know, see something like I can do that. I have the finances to do it. I have the time to do it. My husband, I have the company to do it. But also, you know, my family does not come from, uh, you know, we come from a poor background. But if I want want to, you know, fly my mom to Singapore to come visit me, I can do that too. Or if I want to fly home and go see people or, you know, whatever the case is, like now I feel like I can do that, contribute more to, awesome. you know, to the things so that are important to me. So speaking of your love for travel, I would say that's how you began Maya the Explorer, yes. the blog, Wonderful which blog, is by the way. full yes. of great information. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of, about how Maya the Explorer started. I had a blog when I first moved to Manila. It was called Maya in Manila. I didn't have, that was before Instagram. I didn't have any of that stuff. And honestly, I didn't keep up with it because I think like people at home after a time, they're like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> She's there. fine. They're like, we're over it. <laughs> 
we're over it. So I, yeah, I actually stopped the blogging. I stopped the Instagramming. And so it's so funny because like you said, I've done this for a long time. And like, if I, I wish I, you know, all the pictures and videos and stuff I had from before anybody cared, you know, anybody went to go look on social media to see what, what was going on. I just had all of this stuff and my brothers came actually, they had never been to Asia before. It was their first trip. I flew both of them out so that they could just see it. And I think once they saw my life here, they were like, you should write a blog <laughs> just because, you know, like I think people, they have a different mind. They have a different idea of really what life is like for you every day as an expat. And my older brother especially was saying, you should really show people how you can go about doing it. And so he was the person who really inspired me to do it. And I think just, yeah, to the one, the expat life, but also to just show people like, look, this is where I came from, but this this is where I am now. And anybody can travel. I think that's a lot of like a lot of people just don't understand that it's you can change your circumstances. You can do whatever you want to do in life. You just have to figure out how you're going to get there. And so I really want to empower people to see that and to do whatever it is that they, they you know, that's that great. they aspire you're to do. You're doing a great job doing it, by the way. Like I now it's you, great some things content. I don't know. No, it's great content. <laughs> it. And it has so much information about the different countries and how to travel and what the expat life is like and you know budget finance so you pretty much covered the, the all the questions that. right yeah. that you get on a normal yeah, day to yeah, day yeah. because i think that one thing that i enjoy you know doing these interviews is that we're talking to people who are helping to change the narrative you're helping to bridge those gaps of what people thought it may look like and you're giving them kind of the real deal of what it looks like and that's what's so great about you know what we're all doing now is because we're allowing people to really know the true story about what it feels like what it looks like how much it costs and you know the ups the downs of living in a specific place abroad and I think that's a great thing it is mm-hmm. it is so let me ask you Maya I noticed on your blog it said you're hoping for early retirement <laughs> yes <laughs> how early please how early what is your what is your goal uh, I am 36 now. Sometimes I forget my age. I actually forgot it the other day. <laughs> 36 now. I'm hoping to retire in 10 years. And again, started way behind most people with the student debt, with the loans and everything and just trying to pay all that stuff off. But again, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. So I'm being very intentional now in terms of what I'm, how I'm saving and what retirement will look like. I don't know if I'll retire fully because I probably get a little bit bored, but I have some ideas about what I'd like to do next. But I'd like to be comfortable so that I do not have so to work if I don't want to. you traveler mm-hmm. and lived all over the place, and, you know, done so many things. What still kind of leaves you in awe when you travel? Everything, honestly, still like it doesn't it never gets old. Nature would be the big thing for me. You know, I'm a city girl born and raised in L.A. My mom is a New Yorker, but she just instilled this love of the environment. And so anytime I'm in a place where, you know, I can see something that that I didn't grow up seeing, you know, like going to Africa was amazing. Being able to see just the the beauty of it all. Like it still it takes my breath away. <laughs> Honestly, everywhere we go, there's always something that I'm I'm wowed by. And that's the thing I think uh, you don't ever want to lose. It's just that wonderment of it all. And my husband and I are in, our, are in a new stage now. We're gonna, we're expecting. Oh, so yay. I'm looking forward to seeing it through. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so looking forward to seeing nice. it from so our childhood. So can you give us now. one of the best and one of the worst experiences that you've had since you've been abroad? 
One of the best. Let's see. This is hard. It's really hard. Honestly, I love every trip is such a good trip. One, a memorable one for me. My, he's now my husband, my boyfriend. Then I decided that I wanted to go to Panama for a summer just to, I hadn't been yet. I'd been to Costa Rica, love Costa Rica. I was like, let me go see what, what Panama is like. And I wanted to take my niece with me. And she was five at the time and she didn't speak Spanish. She's learning it. But like I said, my family's half Puerto Rican. So it's very important to me that, you know, we instill that in just know the culture. So packed up for a summer and took her with us to, um, to Panama lived with a family went to school in the mornings and, and you know she had her own private tutor and eventually there were kids that joined and she was able to just soak it all in and on the weekends or after class we were able to just go and tour all around and it was a beautiful just a beautiful mountain town and there were waterfalls everywhere so just getting her to like to get out of the city you know especially now with kids and their devices like they're always on their devices just to be able to say no nope, we're gonna leave the iPad we're gonna go for a hike to this rain you know whatever it is that was to me just one of the best experiences and I know when she she's 30 I'll look back and say like remember when we went to you know I'll have all these pictures to remind her and like that's her introduction really to um sure leaving the country like yes yeah you're like a month here's her suitcase here's her passport <laughs> here's all her shots <laughs> <laughs> She loved it, but then when I I had to come back here, she had to go. So she had to meet me in Panama to pick up my, uh, yeah. to pick up my so niece, and I'm sure she loved that too. What was one of the too. worst experiences? <laughs> You know, that's tough. I try to really find the positive in any experience. I had wanted to go to India for a really long time. My middle name is India, just coincidentally. Um, I've always felt like really curious about the country. And it wasn't a bad trip, you know, at all. It, but it was it was one of those trips, like as a solo traveler, I wish I had gone with someone else and had someone else to experience it. I like to be free when I travel. I like to go wherever I want to go. And for me, India wasn't that place. Like I couldn't just leave the hotel and go, go you know, explore these restaurants or go explore the the spice market no like I like I, I had to have someone with me everywhere I went for like my own safety and you know luckily nothing happened I'm returned safe and sound but like that's not how I like to travel and you know like I said I've, se I've seen a lot of poverty in just in, in travels in general but that was another hard place to like to see to always have someone in your face like you know asking for something or like it's just heartbreaking and to be there for a short amount of time, you know, like with Manila, I think it was a little easier. I was like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. So if I want to have, you know, I can go and volunteer here. I can go build houses here. I can go to the orphanage here. But, you know, when you go for somewhere for a vacation and you get there and you're like, no, I like, I, I really wish I could do something to have some sort of an impact. And like, I couldn't even leave the hotel by myself. It wasn't, it wasn't as enjoyable so as I hoped it would be. Because we're wondering, you know, what things should people consider when choosing to, you know, live a life abroad? I think you have to consider yourself like you really have to know who you are. And if you don't like you'll you definitely learn that when you go abroad, for sure. There's a lot about myself that I've learned once I left. But just, you know, knowing who you are, knowing your limitations, knowing your likes and dislikes and then just not letting anybody put, you know, like let pursue who you are, like go ahead and seek that out. That's part of the process. And I think especially sometimes as much as I love social media sometimes it gets really hard to look you can't compare your journey to anybody else's you can't say oh well oh this person's been to this many countries or no it's like if you're on your first country outside of the u.s or wherever you're from be proud of that like, enjoy it to the fullest like don't let somebody else's experience steal your joy like you have to really enjoy what you're doing where you're at in your life right now like isn't that's really hard is to just know that doesn't matter what you see, like you can go and experience it for yourself and have your own stories to tell. And I would say just don't, you know, don't say, oh, it's been done before. If it hasn't been done by you and you so want to true. do it, go do it. Yeah. That's a great word. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Because I think people do get so caught up on what we call the Instagramification of what everyone else is doing. And it's like, oh, you know, I want to do that and, and go there, but it's already been done. And it's like, the world is so huge. 
even if you went to the same exact place, it's going to be a different experience. So regardless of yes, what somebody absolutely. did, somebody wrote about, whatever somebody said, you have to go and learn it for yourself. I'm big about educating, mm-hmm. exploring, and you know, just going out there and just trying something different. A new experience is always the way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think as well to not be like, that's the whole, I have a lot of, that's a love hate relationship I have with Instagram, to be honest, you know, to also say like travel can be meaningful. And I think sometimes you see those experiences where the, yes, they look very glamorous, but are they like, are they meaningful? Did that person leave the hotel? Like, did, what did they see? What did they do? So knowing as well, like, you know, yeah, great. That looks great for them. But what does it look like for you? What do you want to do when you get there? And really like have part of the enjoyment of travel to me sometimes is the research. You learn so much about just where can I go with it? You okay? I'm gonna go to Myanmar. What does that look like? Where can I go within that country? I need to, you know, figure out exactly what I want to do when I get there. So yeah, like you said, it's been done before. No, there's so many places that you can go, go and and go do something different. Go go be different. You know, figure out what it's going to yeah, look like for you because it's different for everybody. Thing that somebody else does, your perspective on it is going to be way different. You know, and your mm-hmm. experience in uh, that whole situation, it's just gonna be different. It's gonna feel different for you. Yeah, but, you know, we talked about this before. There's a big difference between vacationing and living abroad. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so when we talk about living abroad, it's not those pictures that you see on Instagram. That's vacationing. They bought those bathing yes. suits or those dresses or those specific colors to get that specific shot for the most part. <laughs> Yes. Where when you live abroad, you probably got like two pair flip flops. <laughs> if you live in a tropical island or something, you know, you really you got like two pair shorts, couple of tank tops and you're good. Like, I can't remember the last time I put on a pair of heels. No, <laughs> you just don't need them at all. It's no. not, not if no. you're walking in bodies, sidewalks. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna fall. You'll break your, your neck. <laughs> Asia is just not the place. Maybe Singapore. Now you can get dressed up and go to Singapore, right? Because they have some beautiful, like, rooftop, you know, bars and lounges and stuff. But Thailand is really chill. Like, really chill. <laughs> but it's. You know, it's also in the everyday, like the mundane that I love living abroad. There's no comparison to it whatsoever. And and sometimes I think it's funny when people say, oh, you live in Singapore. I've been in Singapore. And then they tell you what they know. And you just have a completely different perspective when you've had to pay a bill in a different, in a foreign country. Or, you you know, like you have to negotiate some interesting situations just because you live here. And I would really like it if everybody could have that perspective and see what it's like because it's it's a whole different, especially if there's another language. Like Singapore is easy because it's just English. But, you know, when you're trying to speak Tagalog to, to someone and they or give direction, hilarity will ensue and it will yeah, be an experience you know, that you'll remember it will forever. It on you, however, it will teach you to listen, just relax and <laughs> just go through the process. Because, you know, when you said paying a bill, I thought about like, Okay, we're looking at our bill like it's not it's not in English, obviously. <laughs> so we're like, how do we read this? What are these extra charges? So it can be a headache. But wait, let me just tell y'all about this story. So a piece of mail came to our house, and we weren't home to sign for it. So they put the little, you know, the pink slip in the mailbox to say that they came. Everything was written in Thai. We didn't even know where the post office was. So all I seen was up in the upper left corner said Thailand Post. So of course I go to Google Thailand Post. There's multiple. 
So <laughs> I was like, you Which know what? I'm going to start with this one. Girl, I went to four different post offices because every single one I went to sent me to another one. And then they sent me to another one and they sent me to another one. And I was finally like, you know what? I probably won't even get this package. <laughs> but just navigating something <laughs> like that was like a huge headache. But during my rides through the um, neighborhoods trying to find the post office, I was like, oh, I got to come back yeah. and see that spot. Ooh. And that's what you discover. <laughs> you like find these new neighborhoods, new cafes, new restaurants. Exactly. And, you know, and you just expand. You just expand. As frustrating it as it was, I had to make something positive out of it. Yeah. It's been like six years, like I said, it's been a long time, but I, we're still finding new things all the time, new neighborhoods. And I guess now we've had to, getting a mortgage, we've had to figure out how to, uh, the, the banking system here, how that works, what are the interest rates like, what are the, even just going to view apartments and everything or and see how that whole process is, is very interesting. And now, you know, figuring out how to give birth in Singapore, that will, you know, that's the Maya, next, the next how step. How <laughs> has what you are doing changed your life? Like how has travel changed your life? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. It's changed everything. It's changed everything. Uh, like, I've always been adventurous. I've always had that sense of adventure and wanting to go and see things. My family, like me telling my family, oh, I'm moving abroad. Like, that wasn't a surprise at all. They're like, of course, that's the next logical step for you. But like actually doing it and knowing that you are greater than your fears, right? Being able to to rise to any occasion and just kind of shut people out and say, you know what? I'm going to do this for me and figure it out for yourself. Like, it just gives you a great sense of who you are and what, you, what you're capable of. And I honestly, 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 for me, the finances like I can't. Singapore is very expensive yes but we get paid you know accordingly so I, I don't if I sometimes I can't even think back to what my life would be like if I hadn't left I would still definitely definitely be in debt I wouldn't know what I know about money now and that's to me is the most important thing I wouldn't know about how to you know besides contributing to my company's 401k besides that no now I have to I have to know how the stock market works I have to know which which are the best stocks for me or what's the best index knowing how much money I need to retire and how I'm going to go about doing like that and I'm still figuring it out every day like I'm not by no means close to that but knowing that I can figure that out I think before you know sometimes a lot of stuff is just done for you especially when you're with you're with a big company or you're with your social you're going to rely on social security like no that's not the reality of it you have to figure stuff out for yourself so honestly like I think I'd still be in debt if I hadn't left the United States I still would be going on vacation maybe once a year and I'd be so stressed out when I get back like just all of those different things like knowing that like I have a lot more balance in my life right now um and that's I think sometimes we as Americans don't understand what life is like in other countries and just just going to a place where they have that balance and they're saying no I'm going to go like this. No, it's the middle of the day. I'm going to go take a nap now. I'll see you guys later after I've had lunch with my family and, the, and I'll be back to do whatever it is that you need. Things like that, you know, it just gives you s such a different perspective. I am definitely not the same person when I left at all. And I left for two years. I said, yep, I'm going to go see what this is like. It's a two year contract. If I don't like it, I can come back. Still I, there, guys. Nope. <laughs> so let's, let's actually break that down yeah. just a little bit, because I know there's people who are going to be listening and are like, okay, what does she do? So when you say you're an educator, you're a teacher at an international school, correct? Yes, and that is a common misconception. Everybody says, oh, you're a teacher, you must teach English. 
I do not teach English. I have no certification to teach English. I've, I've worked with English before. I teach reading. I teach writing. I don't teach English. Um, my students all speak English. Most of them are have an American passport. Most of them have not lived in America or have not lived there very long, but they have an American passport. For whatever reason, their parents' jobs have taken them here, or they've become some of them have become uh, Singaporean citizens or lived here long term. Okay. I teach so with that, special education. Before you left the states, were you also an mm-hmm. educator? Okay, so you've always worked yes. in education. I've always worked in education. I fluctuated or changed back and forth between school I'm setting and then the university setting, but yes. I'm a licensed teacher. I didn't have for a time in the U.S. when I was working at the university level. I didn't have any um, certificates or t- teaching certificates, so okay, when I knew so I was going to go abroad, point. I went about getting it. If someone is interested in really mm-hmm. taking a job as a teacher abroad and they really want to get into education, it is best to start in the States, correct? Get your license if possible. If possible. Yes. And even, yep. Even if you're just fresh, like, let's say if you're just a, you're a university student, you're graduating, you have a teaching certificate, but you've never taught. That is sufficient enough. You can find a okay. You can find a school that will take you with no experience even. But the big misconception is, oh, I speak English. I can go teach English. There are jobs like that. If you get, a, you know, and teaching English as a second language certificate, you can find jobs, but they're not at all the same as what I do. And they usually won't come with the same benefits as a yeah, as a full time teaching position would teach abroad and I make that clear distinction mm-hmm. because you know working at an international school and working at a government school or something else is totally different the curriculum is different mm-hmm. the different. pay is exponentially mm-hmm. different and often you find yes. people like yourselves who aren't teaching ESL they're teaching specific subject matters they're teaching anything everything else but ESL because they all speak English for the most part yeah so uh, they all exactly yeah, so like our, our language department is a great example. A lot, most of them are heritage speakers from other countries. Like we have a lot of Chinese teachers from China who are here, te- or teachers from Venezuela, from Spain that are so those are our Spanish teachers. Because I, I think that that's one thing that people are going to be like, really. <laughs> one of the um, places that is really big for <laughs> teachers is UAE, Singapore, Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, Japan, I think, mm-hmm. and Hong Kong. I would say those are five places that really do value, number one, native English speaker teachers who are certified. And some of the perks are that they give you a stipend to live, correct? They pay for your health care. Yes. The pay, well, a stipend to live. I just said that, right? So, yes. It's different. So there's the housing. That's what I guess I'm trying to get at. It depends on the school. So some some will just simply say, here is your apartment. This is where you live or your house or whatever. And you don't see any of the money. It never crosses your hand. Other schools will say, this is how much we will allot for you to spend on your rent. You have to give us the, the remainder back. And some schools will say, here is your money for your housing. Do Got with it, it what you so want to do. So either way, no it's question covered sometimes. Mm-hmm. And oh, then nice. some. So a if, lot you don't of people have to pay, if you don't have to pay to live, you don't have to pay for your health care, but you still mm-hmm. get a salary. Yes, and you get. There are other benefits to too. Like back we get to the a States, travel allowance. General, you can do whatever you want with so it. So again, it's, most schools will say it's what you want to do with it. So you can you can if you like, and then you get those things as well for your. So here's the: if you're at a very good school, you will get all of these things for yourself and for your dependents. Some schools will not give you those things. Like I know someone who is an administrator who does not have tuition for their kids. I would say that that is not a school that that is, would be for me at all. Like you want that benefit for your child as well. Same thing for the the travel allowance. You want to be able to fly your kids with you back and forth. And so that will be a stipend that will be additional for them.
them. Usually the housing as well is you're going to get a different housing allowance if you're single versus you're, if you're married. Thank versus you, because I think kids. that's going to help people understand mm-hmm. a little bit more about how you're able to mm-hmm. pay off your debt. You know, in the States, because I think that's yes. one thing that it scares the people the most. I have bills still in the States. So how am I going to pay my mm-hmm. state bills if I'm abroad? Well, guess what? If you don't have any real bills abroad, <laughs> you could pay, you can pay you off your debt. <laughs> it's all saving. <laughs> Uh, definitely. And there's some schools that have great perks that, you know, have been at schools before where if you don't take your sick days, they pay you for them at the end of the year. And so you can just cash that out and get that back. I've been at schools before where they pay. Usually you have to pay taxes. It could be, the, you know, it's never the taxes at home. It's usually the taxes in the country that you're living in. But some of the schools take care of that. And so you're completely tax free. I pay taxes here in Singapore, but I don't Thank pay you taxes. So back much, here. Maya. That was very knowledgeable. I'm sure some listeners are like, yeah, it down. <laughs> They're gonna be like, Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, teaching abroad aside. Yeah. Unlike in America, sometimes you have to wait for that and you have to go through this process to get it back. And then. And retirement money as well. Some of them will just give you a here is your check for your retirement. What you do with it is what you do with it. So if you want to go to brunch today and blow it all, you can or you wait, can put so it you know, just in a retirement account. Yeah. It's, like, it's the same thing with Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I have some money left over I have to go pick up at some point. But <laughs> they you can just they just give it to you. It's not like this whole process of like mundane bureaucratic wait ten years, five penalties. You know what I mean? All these penalties and all this stuff. Yeah, you t- well, you want to borrow it? Y'all, we'll give you it. We'll give it to you with interest, or yeah, none of that. It's just it's yours. We have that, and we have an additional system where they're matching us, which is new and fantastic. We never had that before. Yeah, that has been great. And there's also a lot of people, and this was my concern when I first moved abroad. Was like, I don't have enough money to get started. What am I going to do when I first get there? And so most, a, a lot of the schools will have a settling and settling in allowance as well that they give you, and you yes. buy furniture or you you I, do whatever I you need to do. Resonate with, it. with that because I'm a teacher and part of that and with Thailand schools it's very relaxed you know so I teach 20 hours but I don't really <laughs> okay and then you know at the end of the year you know I get a bonus <laughs> and all sort of stuff and so there's a lot of because per- what happens is they know that you're coming abroad so even places like China they will say here is one plane ticket so that you can go home if you need to so you have that money mm-hmm. that's available for you. And in the end mm-hmm. of the year, you get bonuses and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, the perks are pretty much endless. All right. Depending on the school, I know there's some school in, the, in yeah. Saudi. Yeah. That, that's why I mentioned I mean, the UAE the perks first. Because ridiculous. people are going to say, like, well, where should I go work? And so those <laughs> are the top five places that pay, like, the best. You know, I had someone, we uh, have a friend here who lived in the UAE for two years, taught and paid off all their loans. All their debt. All their debt over $50,000 worth of debt Mm -hmm. in two years. Yeah. Even Manila was good for me, though, because the cost of living was so low. Like, you know, you are living like a queen, but still saving so much money. Thank you so much for being with us. So knowledgeable. I loved it. Thanks again. So so where's next? (laughs) Or is Singapore it now that you guys have the little baby coming? And the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> um, retirement is yeah is what we're looking for, but we have invested in some more property since since coming abroad, and so looking forward to ma- spending the summers there or just traveling in general. We'll see. Uh, it's easy to say now before I have a baby where <laughs> where we'll go, but let's see what happens after. Uh, we enjoy spending time in Puerto Rico okay, well, and we Costa Rica as well. So we'll see seeing the story progression go on on your site, <laughs> MayaTheExplorer.com. <laughs> we just want to say thank you again, and we look forward to watching your journeys. Yeah.
Yeah. Thank you, Maya. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.